Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Today's episode is brought to you by ModMed. Do your EHR and PM adapt to your style of practice? The ModMed EHR and PM do, with benefits like remembering preferences and automatically suggesting documentation and billing codes. Urologists voted ModMed the number one urology-specific EHR and PM solution available, built by urologists with input from yours truly. Stop wasting 60 minutes and 200 for each of your open or no-show slot. Go to modmed.com slash prsnetwork. Set up an appointment with the team at ModMed Urology and shift your urology practice into high gear. Imagine a solution on a tablet or the web that works seamlessly with revenue cycle management, analytics, telehealth, payment processing, patient engagement tools, and much more. ModMed is transforming healthcare by placing doctors and patients at the center of care. Welcome to episode 182 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-host, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. And on today's episode, we want to talk about shared and split visits. We've had some questions come in, and we wanted to go through, answer the questions, and explain a little bit more of our thoughts based on the rules. Let's go ahead and dive right in to this I'll just read the question, and then, Mark, I'm going to turn it over to you. All right. The questions are, when our doctor covers hospital patients, we often have PAs in the hospital rounding on new and follow-up patients. Recently, there is an incident to policy change, but I don't think it applies to the hospital PAs since hospital charges cannot be billed incident to. What do you think of the following? Number one, are our physicians able to bill for these visits at 100%? If yes, could they still bill via supervisory role to the PAs? Uh, For example, the PA sees the patient and then discusses the patient's case with the on-call physician. The physician then formulates the plan and communicates it directly to the PA without physically seeing the patient. So that's the example that he gives and adds another question to that, or do the physicians have to physically see the patient to be able to bill? And then the final question is, are physicians able to bill for procedures done by PAs at the hospital? All right. Mark, we've had a lot of discussion on this and a lot of questions. You want to see if you can't shed some light on this. All right. So this has been a topic of conversation in a lot of our presentations recently. And with the team approach to care, PA involvement in the hospital setting is growing out there. So we'll leave incident the incident two discussion to another podcast and focus now on shared split visits because, as noted, the incident two policy cannot be used in a facility setting. 
So again, we'll keep that for a separate discussion and, and really focus on the shared split visit. As we've made everyone aware, and as hopefully everybody is aware, Medicare decided not to move to the shared split visit rule proposed that would base the visit um, billing provider solely on which of the the individuals, the physician or the APP, spent the most time with the patient. They, we of course still know that time is available, it's just not required. Certainly, if you get into a situation where you're using time to select the level of service or time is the most accurate description of the service, you're going to need to document the time of the physician and the time of the APP spent separately with the patient in dedicated E&M services, and the most time is the billing provider. Now, we all know that doesn't happen very frequently as far as the situations that we see documented. So, and then for urology. But when we look at the continuation of the current rule, or actually the slight revision of the current rule, where they're adapting to the new E&M guidelines that MDM is really the driving force of selecting the E&M code level in the facility as well as in the office. It does need to be a substantive, and Medicare's decision to continue paying on substantive portion, that the substantive portion of medical decision-making needs to be performed by the qualified health professional, the QHP, so splitting it in this case between the physician and the AP. So the way this worked, there were a couple of pieces that happened. Number one, obviously, physicians had argued for a long time or have argued for a long time that time should not be the only factor. And this has been quite the lobbying effort to keep Medicare delaying this. And Medicare agreed to delay this change indefinitely based on a new piece of information that was added to CPT by the American Medical Association. So I'm going to read through that really quickly. From CPT, physicians and other qualified healthcare professionals or professional QHPs may act as a team in providing care for the patient, working together during a single E&M service. The The split or shared visit guidelines are applied to determine which professional may report the service. If the physician or other QHP performs a substantive portion of the encounter, the physician or other QHP may report the service. If the code selection is based on total time on the date of the encounter, the service is reported by the professional who spent the majority of face-to-face or non-face-to-face time performing the service. For the purpose of reporting E&M services within the context of team-based care, performance of the substantive part of the MDM requires that the physician or QHP made or approved the management plan for the number and complexity of problems addressed at the encounter and takes responsibility for that plan within its inherent within with its inherent risk of complications and or morbidity or mortality of patient management 
By doing so, a physician or other QHP has performed two of the three elements used in the selection of the code level based on MDM. If the amount and or complexity of data to be reviewed and analyzed is used by the physician or other QHP to determine the reported code level, assessing an independent historian's narrative and the ordering of or review of tests or documents do not have to be personally performed by the physician or other QHP because relevant items would be considered in formulating the management plan. Independent interpretation of tests and discussion of management plan or test interpretation must be personally performed by the physician or QHP if these are used to determine the reported code level by the physician or other QHP. When we dug through this and looked at the way that Medicare is going to apply this particular uh, rule from CPT, we've got to take into account the past interpretations relative to Medicare. And one of the things that they were fairly focused on was the participation or the substantive planning relative to that particular E&M visit. So I think time is pretty clear to everybody, so I won't go back over that. But when we look at MDM, you know, we have very strongly recommended that the physician restate the plan of the patient's presenting problem and the uh, plan of care, the risk portion of that, covering both the presenting problem and risk as part of MDM, because in most cases, those are the determining factors for urology relative to a level of visit in the hospital. Obviously, CPT spent some specific time relative to the level of service based on data as a focused issue. And ultimately, what we'd interpret the AMA saying is that data doesn't would have to be restated by the physician if uh, assuming the Q, the AP was the was QHP present during the visit that if the physician were to look at the level of service charge and it was dependent on a personal interpretation of a test then the physician would actually have to interpret that test and can't rely on the APP's interpretation of the test but the other portions of the data, as far as ordering tests and those types of things, could be restated in that physician's visit. So when we look at the question that we got for this particular podcast, it's basically asking if the, you're in a supervisory role for the PA and the PA on, is on call or the PA is going to be supervised by the physician on call. The physician, he's saying the physician then formulates a follow-up plan and communicates it directly to the PA without physically seeing the patient or do the physician and the patient have to physically be able to bill. In this case, I think we're really stretching the definition of management of the patient with a post visit participation in medical decision making relative to the plan and it would be potentially arguable but 
definitely not in our recommended comfort zone to say that the physician didn't participate in the visit, didn't see the patient, and then based solely on the information provided by the PA, came up with a plan of care without seeing the patient, that would be billable by the physician. I think that the AMA would like to see that as an accepted piece because in their spirit of what they're writing, they really feel, and in some of the discussions going up to these decisions, it certainly felt like the physician is really taking the risk of managing that patient on. But with some of the issues surrounding Medicare and the way that they look at presence in the visit, I'm not comfortable unless we see some additional clarification from Medicare that post-patient encounter review and instruction would be billable under the physician. And a big piece of where I'm coming from is that it is the job of the physician to supervise the care that their PAs are providing. So in those cases where you're going back over everything that was going on to formulate that plan of care, we would recommend that you do have a face-to-face visit with the patient in the hospital setting and add an addendum that supports that. We'll hope that Medicare maybe takes a move on this because certainly the way that you asked the question or the way the question was asked, that the physician really is formulating the plan for the PA, that and taking responsibility for that, I think that's what the AMA would like to see, but I just am not comfortable yet with that non-participation in the visit that probably an encounter would be appropriate. Ray, what are your thoughts? This is a tough one, and I think, Mark, you've navigated it pretty well. But what I understand is if the physician sees the patient and has been involved in in does most of the medical decision-making, you definitely could charge it under the physician. But in the case where the physician was not involved with the visit, because it the definition says it's a visit and you're either charging by time or medical decision-making. So if the physician is not involved in the visit, but is involved after the visit and okay in the plan, that probably that should not be charged incident two. Pardon me, shared split visit. Pardon me for confusing the two terms. Yeah, everybody confuses those two terms. (laughs) I was thinking split visit, but incident two just came out. Yeah, it's a tough one to navigate on these things. And given where the AMA guidelines are, and the lack of specificity in some of this stuff, there's an argument to be made for the fact that, the, at least the way I read this, that the PA didn't formulate a plan and the physician did. It's given the AMA's definition of all of this. It certainly looks and smells like 
the question here is focused on the fact that the PA didn't actually formulate a plan uh, and that the physician did that for the PA. And ultimately, there's a there might be an argument there that was the substantive portion and he or she is taking on the overall management and risk relative to the morbidity of that particular morbidity of that particular patient that it feels eh it might be arguable but i just again i'm a little hesitant here in that process that the physician wasn't directing the care during that visit or seeing the patient on the same date. That's where my hesitation is and certainly would like to see some additional clarifications for Medicare may not be worth the risk of that 15%. So let me ask you a, a question. Let's say somebody looks at that and interpret it, interprets it differently than you and wants to be a little more aggressive. What's the risk? So the risk is getting all that, the, the 15% taken back. Is that what they're risking and then taken back historically as well? Or is there additional risk with that? So anytime you're billing incorrectly and repeatedly billing incorrectly, you do have the risk of the false claims, OIG dissent on those things. So it's not just the 15%. Obviously, if it's one encounter, that's one thing. But if they open up a wider investigation, then there's triple damages and potential exclusion from Medicare. So there's there are significant risks above and beyond just the 15%. If they determine that was a deliberate misinterpretation and the physician should have known better. So Anytime you're being aggressive um, on those things, you want to make sure that you have a good compliance plan, a good interpretation of those things, and it would be a good idea to double check with Medicare and see if you can get some clarification on those items, and that is better coming from a question asked by a physician and documented oh. in their compliance plan, by the way. Okay. And Scott, the way this particular question is documented, I would think that the answer would be no, because it states that the physician then formulates a follow-up plan and communicates it to the PA. It, it doesn't indicate the physician was involved in the visit or in the medical decision-making initially at all. So I would think that there, there's somewhere in there the physician had to be involved during the visit in order for it to be considered for the uh, shared visit. Okay. <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, and that's a, that's a good clarification, Ray. That was really good. But ultimately, in the hospital setting, that probably actions occurred based on that encounter with the PA. So nothing was on hold. There were things that happened, and now this is a follow-up plan after whatever actions occurred at the time. So that does make it a little more difficult. All right, and 
Do you want to just clarify or just answer question number three that I read in the very beginning? Are physicians able to bill for procedures done by PAs at the hospital? That one's easy. No. Bright line there. Black Bright and white. line there. Right. <laughs> black, hard and fast. No. Okay. Because you can see where the question comes from. It comes from the idea of incident two in the office or outpatient setting. Yes. And that is not the same rule. You cannot use incident two in a facility setting. And there seem to be a lot of questions about that. Just And as Ray slipped up and said incident two, I think if we could draw that line and make that distinction just as the first decision-making criteria, incident two can't be done in the facility. Okay. All right. Now, Scott, before we leave, we have ignored the one question we don't know the full answer to. Okay. What is that question? All right. Read the last part of the second question after the R. Do the physicians have to physically see the patient to be able to bill? I I don't know the answer to that. I think there's arguments that if they've been involved during the visit, then there is a good argument that they, and they did formulate the plan. I think that they probably, there's an argument that says you can. But then I don't know that I've seen that. Mark, have you seen that anywhere that's possible? So I, I, I have seen where that is possible, but it does require involvement in the visit as it is occurring, not afterwards. So this particular case, it looks like it's, everything was done after the visit. So that would say no that the physician should go in and physically see the patient. All right. But is there anything else we wanted to cover on this, or should we wrap this one up? Let's say we wrap this one up. Okay. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and wrap this episode up then. I will uh, remind you that, and we've been talking about this a little bit more lately, a lot of, our listeners may not understand exactly what PRS does, but at PRS, we do full billing as well as we have coders available to help your coders and everything in between. So not on, only are we educating about coding, reimbursement, billing, we also do all aspects of it, including audits. So if you are interested there is a link in this episode, which is at prsnetwork.com forward slash 182. And we can schedule a discussion and talk to you a little bit more about what your needs are. We're here to help you maximize income and efficiencies throughout your practice. All right, let's get some final thoughts. Mark. Yeah, this is a tough concept for everybody to look at, and it's, an, it's a growing part of the practice of medicine as a whole and, and in urology particularly. So understanding shared split visits um, is an important piece of this, and we will continue to analyze how Medicare reacts to everything related to the new AMA guidelines and give you updates as we can. We're interpreting with what we've got 
giving you the best we can, but we'll keep updating you. Ray, your thoughts. Yeah, this is the fun part of all this stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of ambiguity attached to each rule that comes out. What if, what if, what if? And it'll be time and additional LCAs, LCDs, and audits that will tell us what the final answers are. And to back up what Scott's saying, when we do billing, we normally improve the income of a practice. And part of that is by improving the protocols and the processes. And part of that is also helping to educate the physician and the uh, other providers in order to document exactly what they need to in order to get paid. And I just will mention, stay tuned. We have a new opportunity with a little more targeted education for the provider that will shave off the time required to really learn exactly what you need to do. Stay tuned. All right. Once again, we want to thank ModMed for supporting this episode. They do have specials for our listeners. And if you're in the market for an EHR or practice management system, please give ModMed a look. If you want to check out their specials, you can go to modmed.com forward slash PRS network. All right. That's all we have. Take us out, Ray. Happy coding. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label, The Juicery. 